when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Oh, hello. You found Waypoints or the Waypoint. Ah, this is so weird. I'm fucking. Ah. (laughs) Take two. Well, now I'm self conscious. You're all here looking at me. Well, I'll look this way. Look Look out the window we used to have. Look out the window. (laughs) All right, well. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, hello. You found Waypoints, where the Waypoint staff and friends take a break to nerd out and deep dive on the culture, art, and entertainment that's been inspiring and provoking us lately. Gather on the table this week, we've got Ricardo Contreras. <laughs> Yo. Gita Jackson. Hi. Patrick Klepek. He put his hand up. He was like, no, <laughs> stop, don't look at me. <laughs> Austin Walker. There's a table. You were literally around a table. Yeah. For these the, are friends. Uh, where, at the where's table. that table? Welcome at. to Friends at the Table, an actual play podcast with <laughs> a critical world relationship. <laughs> I didn't prepare yeah. anything. You know, one time I do want to actually get the forces in destiny. Let's just do an episode where we roll characters. Listen. We don't have yeah. to play. Let's just roll characters. Sure. <laughs> this is weird. This. Like this. We're in This is Lobby One. This is Lobby One, which you may recall is our old space. Our streaming studio. It has now become a podcast studio with an attached podcast engineering space. Shout outs to Steve, who is in there. Steve, what's your last do you want me to credit your last name? They're not listening to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're they're running record like they're recording this. They're recording Steve this. Sounds. Yes. Steve okay, well shout outs to Steve. Yeah. Uh, for recording this. <laughs> but it's weird. We're in here. Yeah. There's no couch. There's no plants. There's no. We have like, a lot of space. Yeah, we could all stand up. When you take out everything in the room, it's not, space. It's not too warm. We could all it's lay down cold. on the floor uh-huh. and not touch each other. Do you think this mic, <laughs> how far would this mic, how? I think we could record from the floor. Patrick, yeah. Just he's testing he's the he's limits testing of his He's sitting studio. down. Yep, that's about... Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I feel like I just handed to take Patrick a Smirnoff ice or something. Yeah, you've iced him. This is just the same picture from that bar in Boston, Uh (laughs) slumped against the wall. Oh, God. So why are we here? Uh, Well, that's a a good question. Uh, A lot of people have to justify their purposes in doing something uh, this this year because we are talking about the 2020 Democratic presidential primary. Uh, it is. It is. The time has finally come. We have to dig into. We put this. it off long enough. We put it oh, off. Jesus we Christ. remember we thought at one point we were going to do a podcast, but every nominee. one of the people. But at the time that we suggested that, there were eighteen nominees. <laughs> that, that might be underselling it. They did that on Chapo, and it took like fucking two exactly. hours, man. Like we were never going. I wasn't even here yet, but I could hear my voice from the yeah, future saying, that's... "You're never going to do that." No, no, no. So instead, we're just. We just I like jo- that we just did Joe Biden on Chapo. I was like, he seems chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. I watched that video with a bunch of politics nerds, and uh, 
most of what I remember of it was the Jeffrey Epstein coincidence, where it's like Will Menneker's birthday and Jeffrey Epstein's <laughs> death day at the same time. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So uh, we're coming down to it, though. Like the point where we, we've had a year to consider this this Democratic field and to watch it winnow, get winnowed in bit real time as people yeah. realize that, like, no, actually, my moment has not yet arrived and my message seems to compel no one. And so we've said goodbye to a lot of the prospective candidates. Uh, and here we are on the eve of the Iowa caucuses. And it probably is time to dig into the people left standing and what our feelings are heading into this primary season and who we're probably voting for. Yeah. I'm sure it's a big surprise. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of suspense around. Like, I'm curious Yang what Yang. people think. Oh my, shut the fuck up, Patrick. <laughs> I'll jump over this table. Uh, the Legion of Builders and Destroyers. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I like, the Legion. Like, they're called the Legion. Yeah. yeah. That's, mm. well, like, and uh, like so many things with Andrew Yang, there's a quick, like, and uh, dirty version of it that you could pitch someone in an elevator that makes a lot of sense. Where you're sure. Like, you know what? Yeah. American infrastructure there's is a bad. lot of buildings that are abandoned. Like, are, what, what are we are doing we, with what those? What are we doing? Hey, you know, there's some bridges that need to get built in this fucking You got country. potholes in your town? Yeah, I got potholes in my town. I'm going to fill them. No, they don't fill them. Fuck. They're like, I don't, wow, totally. What if we had a legion of builders? Just imagine a legion. And destroyers. Just stepping yeah, in Yeah, but then lockstep. you ask him, like, okay, infrastructurally, how does that work? And he's like, oh, I'll just mm-hmm. ignore all local ordinances and laws and regulations. And well, but he's a stunt, but those he's a stunt. It's the same he's a thing as, like, candidate, his UBI right? thing. Is well, right, like, exactly that, right? UBI on paper, I mean, honestly, I'm glad that he brought it into the national conversation. We should have a conversation We should have it. UBI. That money should not come from social services. <laughs> it should not, which is, which is well, what happens when it gets tested. This happened in Ontario. Uh, in a region of Ontario, a conservative politician put forward UBI, and the entire plan there is, I'm going to give people $1,000 a month, and I'm going to do is cut $2,000 of social services. And that way... Wah, it, wah. Yeah, exactly. Christ. Exactly. Well, it's um, just, it's, it's like he's basically saying, I'm going to give you $1,000 a month to shut the fuck up about class struggle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Right. Like he, right. Well, because like, it's still rooted in the same idea of the freedom of choice, the freedom of the, of the of the consumer in the marketplace, you know where to spend that $1,000. That's more important than, it's more, this is literally the Chappelle line from yesterday, which like, fuck off Dave Chappelle, I'm sick of your now transphobic turn, your decision to like that, make that the also, cornerstone of your. Dave Chappelle supporting gang gang. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> yes, exactly. Chappelle was out there saying, people, you know what's important uh, besides uh, uh, healthcare? Groceries. And like, I do think gro- having money for groceries is important, uh, but I think that maybe Dave Chappelle isn't the person who understands what the costs of these things are and the ways in which, like, uh, you know, having I, I've been the person who has eaten shitty food all year because I have not had good income. That version of me would have been destroyed by a serious medical bill. You know what I mean? Like, there, yeah. are, there are differences in what those two demands are financially. And uh, anyway. Anyway, who Yang. are we not, not Andrew Yang? Up to... Sorry, it can cost over 30K to fucking have a baby. 12K isn't going to do shit. No, (laughs) no. I would, I often do think about if I had like the ability to be on food stamps and have $1,000 a month uh, that I would know would be guaranteed rent money for me. Basically, my rent is. And also, if there are protections, if there are protections in place that prevented your landlord from just immediately jacking up your rent, yeah, to a thousand dollars to take that money. Yeah, from you. if we had a national rent control program. But see, this right. is like we need other social yeah. services. This is why there's a conversation. In order to make that UBI go anywhere, because if I have, we have a national rent control and I had food stamps and I also had a UBI, then I 
would be able to spend a lot more time. I would be able to make the freelance life work. Totally. I would be able to spend a lot more time making art and doing passion projects and, you know, investing in my community directly instead of abstractly after I sort of gain capital. But... <laughs> Like, if you take away those other social programs, it's just not going to fucking work. You're just going to have, like, another way that people get trapped in the cycle of poverty. So not Yang, it sounds like. Yeah. No, that's why I'm glad he was in the race, yes. right? Like, that conversation, no one was going to bring up. And I want that conversation. Yeah. I think that there's right. more to have around it's that conversation. It's useful for a long-term yes. conversation of social policy Absolutely. to have stunt candidates like that, even if they know they're not going to actually win. Well, and there probably is something, too, like— Local ordinances and laws are a major hurdle to addressing a lot of, like, aspects of the housing crisis, right? Like, we give so much power to small communities to determine what can go up where. Uh, And a lot of those communities are weirdly opposed to things that would generate a lot of housing for people and coincidentally not just change the demographic makeup of a town, but also change the relative value of existing housing stock. Right, well, this is like, look at at bridge and tunnel crowds. Look at crowds that don't have— uh, mass transit moving into their neighborhoods and don't want mass transit moving into their neighborhoods. Look at the North Bay uh, in in the Bay Area, uh, which is like, do not extend these fucking trains any closer into our neighborhoods. Right, they're going to extend the Barton to like Monterey. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that stuff, like yes, if there was if there was stuff in place to counter those local or those local decisions, I think that's probably a conversation worth having. But I also don't necessarily trust establishing an entire branch of government that can move into a city and say, you know what, this this looks like to me like commercial. <laughs> this yeah. looks to me like what we should do is put a monument up instead of housing, right? Um, <laughs> monument to Yang. To, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. The Yang Gang mon- monument is going up tomorrow. <laughs> um, which, you know, uh, is in general a big conversation I think that we've had in the last 10 years has been about, more than that now, 12 years, has been about how much, uh, what is the balance between legislative and executive, like, uh, uh, privilege and and power? And I don't just mean the branches of government writ large, but in terms of even smaller, like, who can come into a space and say, hey, I'm taking over this and making, you know, uh, major decisions Instead of letting the local legislative bodies do that, I think you look at uh, places in in like Detroit is a big one of these. Anywhere, uh, frankly, for where I'm from, Atlantic City, this this happened where like Atlantic City's local government was kind of pushed out as the state government came in to put the entire city under kind of management uh, and make a bunch of unilateral decisions that did not necessarily help the people living there because they were aimed at helping the bottom line of revenue. Um, and so like stuff like that is a is a big ongoing conversation. Conversation. And uh, again, I think having him in, in this has helped us have some of those conversations. I think we, we're going to end up in the same way that Sanders four years ago said a bunch of stuff and people were like, no, right. No, I think we're going to continue to or see like this 10 years ago. If we're actually really talking yeah, about UBI, exactly. yes. the seeds of that were someone like Andrew Yang. Totally. Also, totally. he would put like Elon Musk on his cabinet. Like yeah. 100 percent. 100 percent. Absolutely. VP. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> the Legion of Builders and Destroyers have to right? clear room that sounds for the like an Elon Musk in the hyperloop like, yeah, phrase yeah. for uh, the, the the fucking tunnel. It's a tunnel. The, it's a one way tunnel. The Cybertruck will be what's equipped the with the the, company? the boring company. Yeah. The boring company. Fuck off. Get fucked, Elon Musk. I really hate him. So can I left? can I make? Uh, do you want to talk about the other ones, or can I talk about like the general theory that I think falls for a lot of the table? Yeah, let's let's yeah sure. Okay. The general theory for a lot of the table is not exclusive, and I'm generalizing, but I think maybe a lot of us came into this race, fairly early on, like, thinking maybe Elizabeth Warren was, like, maybe the candidate. And that had become disillusioned with her sometime in the last six months. 
and have settled on Bernie as being like, you know what, if you're going to go for it, go for it. Go for it. Don't go for the candidate that you're slightly worried might end up being a compromise candidate. If you're going to swing, take the swing. Patrick, I think that might only be me and you. No, 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 no. no, no I no. would have accepted Warren at the beginning. I still would accept Warren. Like, I'm still yeah. going to, if Warren somehow spins it and... Like, as disappointed as I would be if Biden got Oh, 100%. It, yeah, 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 absolutely. I would be frustrated, and I would try to push her farther left, but I would not be, like, I think it's more like devastated. I expected the DNC to get behind Warren yes. before right. I expect them to get behind right. Sanders. Oh, I know. That's right. I think which that, is, for me, I think it's the... I think it's the... My suspicion is that maybe the two of you arrived at that switch in a different way than, like, Gita and I. I Kato, I actually don't know where your where your heart is. I have a good feeling for Gita. I voted for Bernie last primary. Okay, well, they, right. Well, so, so did I. So did I. But Bernard brother. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we've located the Bernard brother. Um, the For me, coming into this election cycle, there was so much hostility towards Bernie from people I loved. Like, genuine, like, you know... Uh, people who may as well be in my family because they're that tight to me in terms of of like close friendship relation um, because of the optics of how things went in 2016. Not how things went in 2016. There's lots of like, well, Bernie <laughs> didn't campaign for Hillary. Like that's just not true. Yeah. Go look at the numbers. Look at how he dozens. He campaigned for her so much. Campaign, he campaigned more for her than she did for Obama. For Obama, absolutely. He, he went 100%. to all the states that she didn't go to. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally, Oops. totally. Um, and so I came into this election cycle feeling like, you know what? I don't know that I don't know that Bernie can get the momentum again because there are so many people who have already been turned against him. Um, and I feel like so, he'd done his ideological shift to the left. Right. He was a useful tool, but unfortunately, yeah. someone else is going to have to be the person that could... picks up that baton and runs with it. And then, yeah, over the over that year, one, I think seeing him remain fiery, seeing the shift in his campaign, the like not me us stuff is really sh- is really sharp. Um, given that he's campaigned his whole life in a different manner, he's campaigned on like the same speech for thirty years, yeah. and this is the first time that he's shook, shaken that up a little bit. Uh, and you know, those are still the big like policy talking points but what he's doing is like handing the microphone to, to people and saying hey tell us your story and if what is coming out is yo we all have the same fucking story the system sucks it hurts us all it hurts us in different ways because of of kind of the ways in which the system is set up and, and some of us are more vulnerable in some ways and some are more vulnerable in others but there needs to be large systemic change not just incrementalism um, and then that is the other half which is what you said before Patrick yeah and my, my I remember early on uh when I thought that, you know, Bernie was a useful tool in 2016 and then someone else needed to pick up the baton, then Elizabeth Warren did the DNA test and I got, oh. I got really spooked because yeah. I was... She got bullied into doing a DNA test and he's going to bring that up every Well, and that's, and that time. was my thought. I was like, yeah. you've, this early tactical error yeah. and politics, as much as policy and, I, you know, ideology are important, like, it's also a, a game of strategy. And I was like, you, right off the bat... Played immediately to his into his hand, and I was like, "That gives me zero faith in your ability to run what is going to be the most not uh, and even worse, more toxic general election yeah. campaign." Mm-hmm. And like that, then that that shook. Like then I didn't know what to do. I was like, "Well, I didn't think it's going to be Bernie." Now I think she can't handle like running the, the the tactics of an election, and then I didn't really know where I was for a long time. You know, it's weird. I, in twenty sixteen, I actually didn't vote in the primary. I'm sorry, but I was like. <laughs> I was at that point not 100% sold on Bernie because of his, you know, the way he didn't actually really talk about race that oh, much. Oh, absolutely. I was and super critical of him. I, I was skeptical that he could evolve in that way. But what I saw since then was that, you know, when he had his, you know, announcement that he was running this time, he made sure that, like, 
he was surrounded by people of color and he gave them like and not prop surrounded, but no, like, like people Nina in Turner his campaign is yeah. doing the fucking work. Like on Twitter, in person, she believes oh, yeah. in what he believes in, and she is like in a fundamental and like really important place in his campaign. He's really made an effort to also tell his own story. Like he's told his story of you know growing up a child of immigrants, you know family half family wiped out in the Holocaust. That little story about how he under first understood capitalism when the Dodgers went to Los Angeles it was a really <laughs> I don't know really. I've cute... heard this way. What is the what is the Dodgers story? I well, I mean the Dodgers were his team. He loves baseball. The Dodgers mm. were his team, and then someone just bought it and took it away from him. Yeah, I'm true. Yeah, capitalist be and then planted on top of a Latino neighborhood. Yeah, right. so, like... wow, yeah, yeah. wow, <laughs> the double whammy. Yeah, so I feel like you know 2016 I regret not looking into and supporting him more strongly because we ended up with fucking Hillary Clinton like that was like for me I guess my last time I ever trusted the Democratic Party on shit and this time it's just like I would have accepted warrant but right now that the momentum is there and I'm like go big or go home like I I still will vote I will hold my nose and vote for anybody but I I think that the moderate should have to do that for once for once (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I think where I've ended up is um, got like Biden is so bad that I'm uh, like, I'm just genuinely not sure. Like voting for him on some level says that's acceptable. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this party should actually crumble and like blow away into dust and build something new on it. Um, Cause I, I, I think the thing I live in dread of is the restoration of complacency yeah. that defined Obama era politics of like, see our theory works. We just, you know, if we just come to people with a moderate, sensible message, we work. We, we we win elections. And it's like, no, that's never worked except in the wake of basically disaster. Right. Like the only time the centrist theory of change has ever had some sort of electoral success is when the results of the last election you bungled have been so catastrophically bad that the GOP has been fully discredited and they get voted out in a wave election. And then running moderates means you squander that moment yet again. Yeah. You squander the opportunity. And I think that is the cycle we've seen in politics. And that's why Biden scares me. He is a perpetuation of that cycle. And that cycle doesn't ever make anything better. It doesn't force the fundamental like structural changes in American politics that I think we need to see. And that's what started to bring me around on, on Bernie. I liked, I liked Warren a lot in part because before – Warren has a plan for that became kind of a tiresome buzzword. Um, she is clearly pretty brilliant from the standpoint of policy design. She's um, like a wonk in the most like generous and like uh, complimentary. What that's way. supposed yeah, to right? mean when it's not when we're not talking about like Paul Ryan, where it's yeah, like no, a charlatan right. who's like putting up numbers that are just about to hurt people. Right. She's like. like a clear academic background where she's done a lot of real work. Uh, you know, studying these phenomena. Understanding their their contexts, you know, it, yeah. she's a smart person. So, uh, yeah, I think, like, wonk, I've come to hate that term because, like, it's become this political aesthetic. Yeah. But it's divorced from any kind of substance. What I like about Warren is that the right people were terrified of her candidacy, right? Like, she was approaching this with the, like, for, with the standpoint of almost a prosecutor going after oh, banks, yeah. right? Like, and That's knew the where the money clip. was being... Yeah. Right was the was one of the most exciting things in the world at the time because it was like the clip in question was Kramer basically being like, "Listen, man, I've talked to not Kramer from Seinfeld, uh, uh, <laughs> Jim Kramer, Jim Kramer, who's mad, mad money, money. Jim, mad. Jim Kramer, uh, kind of an analyst and and advice giver uh, around the stock market." With Bear Stearns is fine. 
by the bear. Well, one of the one of the one of the few good things John Stewart like genuinely did yes. was that take. Yes. Go look up if you've never seen the takedown interview where basically John Stewart walks through. I'm just going to show you a bunch of clips of you being wrong, and then just let's just sit. Let's just and, sit with it. It's this. not even just there was no punchline. It was just yeah, you lost. A, you fucked a lot of people with that, didn't you? It's one of the most uncomfortable thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like that, that clip, people were running scared there, there felt yeah. like there was energy around that for sure. And, and so I think what appealed to me about Warren is that I think she actually has a very good idea for if you held on to the leaves of leaves of power, the democratic president would likely have access to, uh, via executive order, via regulatory appointments. I think she would make a lot of immediate material, uh, impact on a lot of bad situations. The thing that worried me was the lack of a theory of change. Yeah, uh, that Warren represents a far a much farther left political position than we generally see from the Democratic Party, but still pretty traditional liberal electoralism in terms of how we bring about that change. Whereas Bernie is the head of a movement that is basically arguing that we have a pretty disenfranchised mass of people who are either just so alienated from the political process that they don't take part or they're being kept out of the political process by a lot of structural factors. We need mass mobilization, mass movement and keeping that in the field, not doing what Obama did in 08, which was, Hey, thanks for winning me that election. (laughs) OFA. Uh, Let's shut that down and fuck acorn too while we're at it. Um, But like keep those people in the field, keep that movement alive and healthy and fed and ready for the next electoral cycle. Exactly. Because that that's how seems you can, to be the difference. You can use them at that point to pressure and win the, the, the elections that end up really mattering for legislative change, right? Well, and I think the other reason there's this pressure to demobilize movements like that is traditional democratic politics don't want folks like that sticking around. Right. Like, hey, uh, we won the election. Don't worry too much about what we're about to do next. Don't... Um, Look, I'm just going to point some people to the Treasury Department, and we're going to sort out this whole complicated economy thing. My buddy Tim and I and Larry, we are just going <laughs> to – we got your best interests at heart, but don't pay too much attention. Don't you write You go about letters. your business. Yeah, go home. Right. You don't need to be invested in this. You don't need to be yeah. thinking about what decisions we're making. We, we got, got it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll, uh, Joe Biden, we got yeah. this. <laughs> You'll hear from Citibank in a few months uh, about your about your mortgage, uh, and then you'll know how things are going. Fuck, dude. Totally, totally. Well, I think you identify something here, too, which is there were a number of steps all- along the way that were like, you know what? Like, I need to reevaluate whether or not I want to double down and, and uh, or if, if I rather, if I, if I want to stay on this thing of like, mm, Liz seems like she's someone, you know, Warren seems like someone who could could win this election because she's a uniter and blah, blah, blah. And, and a big thing for me was the, the Medicare for All walk back, which immediately was followed by a bunch of editorials from people like Jim Cramer, who were like, you know what? Maybe, maybe Liz Warren ain't so bad. Maybe we don't have to be so scared of her. You know, what I'm hearing now is people aren't so scared of her because it's clear she's willing to work with us. And I'm like, the primaries haven't even started yet. And it's, and you're at compromise time. You're already at the point at which you're trying to meet people halfway. Which is, that's what I became scared of was that, I remember Rob and I had a conversation about this when we were both kind of going through a similar uh, thinking transition was, look, I'm deeply cynical about Bernie's ability to actually enact a lot of the big things he wants to do. Mm -hmm. But I expect him... I trust him better on the compromise that he makes along the way. Right. And the part of his theory is 
don't make that compromise now. You make it when you're at the fucking table, when you're actually trying to enact that change. And what, and what happens so often with the Democratic Party, and what Elizabeth Warren to some degree seems to represent over the course of the primary is like, ah, uh, let's cede that ground now. Like, we're, we're ceding that in the transition to the general election as an electability even thing. More, though. And that's my worry is that, well, look, if you're going to lose, go down fucking fighting for what you believe in. Don't go down compromising and then also lose, which is what happened with Clinton. And so with Bernie, it's like, look, you know, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I have a, I, f- I better trust him to be in the dark room where they make the, where they make the compromise and him to be fighting for the values that I find important. So when he comes out and says, look, th- this is what we can actually do. Look. Look. <laughs> I, tr- I trust better the deal he goes in to make. It's basically like, I feel like he's yes. going to be, he's good. Whatever he comes back with, I, I trust, one. I trust more on, on the deal he comes with. So. Boyfriend group, Orthodox Jewish. I, I, <laughs> I have a good Bernie Sanders. Anyway, um, I, I just know, like, based on his track record, he is just not going to sell out the working class. And for a lot of Democrats and for what we've seen Elizabeth Warren, those are the first people on the chopping block. Like, it's and so that frustrating. Is I, really frustrating and disappointing. I, you know, I think uh, I, I like am not I don't come from a working class family. I come from a deeply middle class family. My parents grew up poor. So I have some understanding of like money anxiety because I watch it like my dad still washes and saves plastic utensils you get from takeout. You know, we don't need that shit. We are, they are remodeling their kitchen right yeah. now. <laughs> they don't Dog. need to do that, but he still that does trauma it. Runs impo- deep. It's impossible yeah. to get rid of it. You cannot yeah. get rid of it. I promise you, you cannot. It's wild. Oh, See, God. I don't know. I guess I am less skeptical of Warren in that sense. Like, I don't think it would necessarily they'd be the first people on the chopping block. I think the first thing on the chopping block would be she doesn't seem that interested in foreign policy, right? Like the mm-hmm. first the first compromise she'd make is yeah. she becomes a traditional like. The new NATSEC hawk Democrat, which seems to be the archetype now. Genuinely, I think her diagnosis of what's happened in the American economy and why opportunity and social upward social mobility have basically become like lies we tell ourselves. Genuinely, I think that's probably the one thing she sticks to. This is this is the one frustrating thing that I'm starting to feel about this electoral cycle. To me, like as much as there is growing dis- like acrimony between the the Warren um, and Sanders camps, in part because they are fighting for overlapping slices yeah. of voters. There's them, and then there's a bunch of bastards on the other side, and that's that's the one thing to me. Like, I think at some point, and I think we're starting to see it happen. People are realizing like Bernie has a Bernie has been saying shit for thirty years yeah. that was unpopular, and its moment has arrived. He is not going to change on that. Warren has been a bit more fungible in her beliefs. They've they've clearly have evolved. That's part of her right. story. I, I think mm-hmm. that's I I I will give her. I will see that yeah. as not being a negative for right. me. I, I yeah. it sucks that there was some time where she was absolutely a Republican and but she doesn't lie about it. She doesn't pretend it, it didn't exactly. Happen. I, I yeah. have no problem being like the scales fell from my I, eyes. I did more research and I learned my shit. Yeah, I love a story of change and growth. We we stand a queen who grows, but <laughs> but, but like that's not far enough. For me, and I just her campaign makes me really worried a, a lot, like a lot worried actually. Well, like Bernie Sanders' campaign is incredibly good; it's really, really amazing. He has incredible grassroots support. He, I mean, the donations he gets—I've given just of a hundred dollars to Bernie just in small donations when I had the had thirty bucks to spare. Um, his 
He's got some incredible endorsements. The AOC endorsement was huge. And like honestly, the Joe Rogan thing is good for his campaign. Though we, I'm sure we all have we all you know, yeah I we all have some some thoughts about that. Yeah, we yeah. could we should wrap back around. But to that, maybe. I, <laughs> you know, and it's just like it's so consistent and easy to understand. And I feel like what everyone needs <clears throat> most of all, what people should have really taken away from Trump's win, is that he had a vision for what America's issues are and what America should be. For him, the issues were brown people, and what it should be is only white people. And I don't agree with that. But no. if you ask oh. me, what, so we're learning things at this table today. Oh, yeah. well, if you ask me, what anyone, any single you know person running in the primary for the Democratic nominee's vision for America is, I don't have a concrete answer except for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And Bernie Sanders want to wants an America that works for the working class. I think I do have a picture of oh, what Liz Warren wants, and it is to fix. It is to okay. I think the difference between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is that Elizabeth Warren thinks the system is sick. Bernie Sanders thinks the system is broken. Yeah. Right? Like That's a fundamental difference. Or, or broken is the wrong word. Uh, it, it's 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 incomprehensible. It doesn't ever build into anything. It's it's only ever going to hurt people. Yeah. It, there isn't a version of it that succeeds The system isn't broken. It's working, but yeah, for right. Actually, right. You're right. It is working. Well, this it, is well, what this the system is, works. This is, and even if you restore it to some, some vision, some Clinton-era vision, that's still hurting people in the yeah. long run and will inevitably, because of the logics of that system, the, the tendencies of that system bring us back here maybe in a new way maybe we'll find a a new way to fuck over the working class maybe we'll find a new way to fuck over black and brown people and people of color you know writ large we'll find a new way to disenfranchise queer folks but it's gonna happen again these tendencies are built into the system it reminds me of uh, this one line from an against me song i think about it every time warren does something where i'm like good with it on paper then i read into it i'm like it's like we're all hypocrites but you're a patriot yeah you just just wrote a piece about um, that new plan. Oh well, yeah. Right? So the new thing that came out yesterday, uh, there's not specifics into it, and I understand that I am reading some stuff into what she wrote. But the concrete thing on the legislative side that she was saying about how she would fight disinformation about voters, you know, how to vote in elections, which on paper feels really, really good, and I think that there should be very specific legislation about uh, voter suppression, which is a huge problem in the United States, especially in a lot of Republican-owned states, gerrymandering and, you know, voter ID laws have Daisy been Abrams a should very... be the governor. Yeah, she should be the fucking... Anyway, um, she... It's a huge issue, and part of it is the GOP is starting to do these things where they just spread blatant misinformation about when election days are or how, what you need to vote and where you can vote and the methods you can vote. And, you know, there should be something about, you know, to combat that on the internet. But what she suggests is creating... Uh, civil and criminal penalties for users that willingly um, disseminate the information and for the platforms. So the first one, obviously, is going to run into First Amendment stuff, and it's going to have to be worded in a very specific way, and it'll probably take a long time. The second one, I do not understand how she would be able to do that without fucking with Section 230 of the Common Decency and Communications Act, which is the thing that allows social media to work at all. That is the They're thing. not a publication. Yeah. So basically, it's the thing where if I write Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer on Twitter, Ted Cruz can't sue Twitter for letting me post that. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but is, is, is dissemination include sharing a thing or the is it the origin point, like being the origin point? That's not specific. Right. Like, yeah. if you just fucking retweet, are you going to get fined? Yeah. <laughs> Did you even know at that point yeah. whether or not it was right? right. Like, yeah. Like, it's it knowingly is... I got this one Twitter reply. I hate to call out this one guy because he was 
think speaking to me in good faith and I should have just wrote it, but like I was on a train and I just like, I don't want a sassy tweet at you on a train and I'll just let you have your opinion and just you'll know that I don't agree with you. But he he said something that was like, so Section 230 only applies to uh, federal, you know, state. He was making an argument that basically was like, it just reminded me so much of the thing where Obama started using executive orders in order to get legislation passed and turned into law that was not passed through con- in Congress or didn't get the votes they needed. And the first time you're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And then the second time you're like, well, I mean, I guess it's good if, if he's doing it. Right, right, right. And the third time you're like, oh, this sets a fucking terrifying precedent. And, like, the thing that set the precedent for creating exceptions in Section 230, which is worded into such a way where you could sort of argue what speech it protects, mm-hmm. for sure. And, like, there's definitely times I think that we need to, with ways in which we need to revisit that, like, for a long time, Hunter Moore of Is Anyone Up used Section 230 as a way to protect him from the law, from people asking him to take down their nude photos right, right, of themselves right. and stuff like that, because they were supposedly user-submitted. So it's yeah. clearly a law as it stands that is too broad in its protections, but, but the there way, has to be something. The first time they created an exception to 230 was SESTA-FOSTA. Right. And we know how that actually played out. It was overly broad and mm-hmm. didn't solve the problem and penalized people <laughs> rather than the people doing the bad things. Right. And I don't know, like, if we're going to rewrite Section 230, we should rewrite that. And if we're going to combat uh, voter suppression, we should combat voter suppression. But I don't see how creating, you know, cementing this method of getting around Section 230 uh, for legislators just makes me feel like they will continue to do it until it's so porous that it doesn't mean anything anymore. And then the Internet is just fundamentally changed. And at this point, and at this point, the, the kind of illustration you're making here is that for all of the policy proposals, there's a degree to which Liz Warren stuff does not necessarily feel as thought out necessarily or as as uh, watertight as yeah. it, it can sometimes feel on first blush. Yeah. I want to ask her specifically, you know, how would you do this without creating an exception to Section 230? And I don't think she would really have an answer for me. And that's where I start to get concerned because yeah. lawmakers that are already in Congress in, in the Senate want to create more exceptions to 230. I mean, during the... Um, Senate hearing on, uh, what was it, social media with Jack Dorsey. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Yeah, the, a senator from West Virginia said that he'd like to see a SESTA-FOSTA for drug trafficking, specifically for the opioid trade. And they they look at SESTA-FOSTA as a success story. Right, right, right. Of course, of yeah. course, of course. Which, well, I, I think some way, oh, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, Rob's, uh, we yeah. should just Rob's take a quick break. We should take a quick break. And uh, come back with the second half of the show. Engage in commerce. Consume. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
And we're back. Uh, one thing I want to talk about was the Bernie campaign mm-hmm. being so good this time around, Warren's not being as good. And I think one thing that has been clarifying over the arc of this primary season is that was actually helped Bernie is that the Democratic Party and its usual cadre of consultants and organizations have hated Bernie so comprehensively that they won't they won't work with him and he won't work with them. Right. Like he has pulled people generally from outside the mainstream of Democratic campaign operation. Whereas Warren There was that Hillary quote in that everyone hates him. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Everyone who? Which everyone? Oh, right. really? Well, she know. was talking about Capitol Hill. No, I, yeah, right? I, yeah, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, saying I something amazing though that has worked. Um, my my roommate uh, is also from Indiana, and her parents are like very conservative Catholics. And she said that this worked on her her dad at least. That she went home and made the case for Bernie Sanders at least. You know, like she's going to vote for him in the primary, and they were suspicious. And then she was like, "The Democrats hate him." <laughs> And her dad was like, I might register as a Democrat and vote for him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think this is, this is to the point where whereas Warren, I think, pulled from some of like the more left-leaning liberal wing. Right. She staffed a lot of her campaign with people with experience in that world who have good reputations. But here is the thing. Uh, a lot of those folks have been no good in a fight their right. entire lives. Like the, the the Rahm Emanuel idea of toughness, which I think is what be- the liberal idea of like a fucking legislative bruiser became. He was only a bruiser to people who had no choice but to stay in that coalition with him, mm-hmm. right? Like he was only a badass if you were a leftist, right? Like he lived for taking the hammer to leftists and their priorities and he made that very clear with his mayoral record yeah. in Chicago, too. But, like, in general, that's the only fight, like, the liberal Democratic Party has ever really picked. The rest of the time, they are terrified of saying or doing the wrong thing that will somehow alienate hypothetical Republican moderates. Like, they they live for this idea that, well, we have to measure our words very carefully because we don't want to offend this pool of voters who secretly we desperately crave far well, and, more than And that's if you so, give them credit because they also might be def- definitely afraid of ruining their relationships with big business straight up, right? Yeah. Like actually... The military industrial complex is deeply important to the Democratic Party. Right, like exactly. We, we, to some, to and some the degree, industrial it's like, complex, like they are who they say they are, right? Like I, I think that you're right that, that uh, a lot of folks, a lot of, a, a lot of well-intentioned uh, center-left Dems do imagine the sort of like conscientious Republican, the, the Republican of, of conscious and and who like may, can meet us halfway. But I actually think the majority of the center of the Democratic Party just believes, just truly believes in for-profit prisons. Just yeah. really does believe like, you know what? The war economy. It works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and it's also <clears throat> just like, it's so disappointing to understand on a fundamental level that the Democratic Party would rather court the hypothetical Republican moderate than the actual, literal, <laughs> definitely extant working class that <laughs> desperately needs the kinds of policies that the Democratic Party historically has wanted to bring into about. Like, mm. fucking, like, you know, free childcare would do amazingly for people that have to work in warehouses, you know? Right. Like, universal health care. probably <laughs> also incredible. still work for the hypothetical Republican moderate who has kids. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's weird that they don't make that leap, right? Well, and I think there's something to what became the liberal or neoliberal policy prescription was this idea of how do we fight for equality? 
quality of opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like not access. If you yes, if if you are whatever your gender orientation, whatever your ethnic or racial identity, you deserve the same shot as everyone else to become a CEO, a board member, a a a, a, a you know a white shoe law firm attorney. Yeah. But if you don't make it onto that lifeboat, then you can drown in whatever class structures you find yourself in. Uh, And we're going to cover our eyes when we consider how class structures and other identities tend to overlap. We don't care, right? Like, you had the same shot as everyone else. That's what we're building towards. And you didn't make it, didn't work out. Good luck with whatever safety net we've got. Um, Maybe next generation it'll get better. We'll just keep growing that economy. Rising tide. And that's how it's felt for, like, that's, that's how liberal politics have felt. And I think this is one of the reasons why the Bernie campaign is so exciting. Like this time around feels like there is better understanding of where class and race tend to intersect. And I think there's a broader message here about access to a certain level, like basic standards of infrastructure and security um, is important far more than just saying – what we need to do is make sure that people can get into good schools. And if, we, if they just get educated the right way, then right. They, can, they too can join the middle class, which is the only class the Democratic Party ever talks about. Right. And which, which is a, a kind of nefariously vague term that means anything from moment to moment that, you know, someone who's making $50,000 a year and someone who's making $150,000 a year will both say that they're in the middle class. There is such a, a strange weird, no matter where they live in the country, you know, someone, you talk to some folks who, uh, who are making way more than $150,000 a year, like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm like firmly middle class. Like I'm not rich because I'm only making, I'm only making $500,000 a year. Like I'm not like, a, I'm not like a billionaire. <laughs> right. And it's like, dog. Okay. Well, if that's true, mm. then what does that say about everyone the vast majority of people <laughs> who are making way less than that. Even if you grant the premise. Right. Yeah. What, and if that what is it the suggests class, is like, what's, it mean what's going on down there? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I, know. Exactly. I'm making money bad. now in, like, in that in Chicago would have me fucking set. Like, <laughs> I'm making 67. Yeah, I was like, pretty, pretty great for Chicago. In I don't Chicago, work here, so I'm going to say this. You should make more. I should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, I... In Chicago, when I was making 50, I was doing fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. I lived in a one-bedroom from $900 a month. My groceries were cheap, and I relied on public transportation, and it was fine. I was saving money, even. In New York City, I live paycheck to paycheck, uh-huh. and I live with two other roommates. And, you know, like, I've had situations where a surprise medical bill has wiped me out. Started Adderall, it's an extra $3 a month I didn't know I was going to be spending. You know, like, it's, it's really— and that's with insurance, right? That's like, that's with insurance. Without a, pharma- without a pharmacy plan, that would— go up it would i i have been in situations where when i started wellbutrin my mom had to pay for it out of pocket because i didn't have health insurance and she was furious because it was like 150 dollars for one month supply of adderall and uh i was really happy i got a full-time job i mean when i got my job at kotaku i was pretty much really desperate it was sort of like that very the, the deeply middle class moment of oh no i'll have to move in with my parents like <sighs> not not the sort of like well my life is like fucking over if this doesn't work for me but it was just sort of like I think that's where my like sort of leftist brain 
switched on. Or it's like, <laughs> if I, a person that came from a family that could pay off my college loans and send me to a liberal arts college, give me all these advantages in life, you know, tutors, violin lessons, I played, you know, sports in the town and everything, all that, you know, help me pay my rent in college. If I can't find stable employment and health insurance and take care of myself with the college degree that everyone told me that I needed, how the fuck does it work for anyone else? that doesn't have everything I need, like, I, I got. It's deeply, deeply unfair. Like, I just, I couldn't grapple with that for a really long time, that, like, even even with everything that you would want a child to have, mm-hmm. I barely made it. I barely made it. I was really, like, about to just be like, okay, full-time retail, it's what it's going to be. Like, I, I don't know if I can do anything else. And I'm deeply, deeply lucky, but it makes me furious that not everyone has what I had. Like, it just makes me so angry. (laughs) No, no, totally. I I think it's, you know, you wrap around and you say you're deeply lucky. And I think this comes down to, again, kind of an ideological difference between the left and and the center uh, of of the Democratic Party, which is that the the center's belief in, you know, uh, uh, freedom uh, and and equality of, of opportunity believes in the meritocracy, like believes that if you work hard, you will make it whatever make it means and make it it's into luck the, it's your well, parents no. climb to the social ladder right. to yeah. give you the opportunity exactly. to climb it higher right. and i met right. i met you in chicago i met patrick and i'm pointing at patrick mm-hmm. i met patrick in chicago and like i knew that that was going to help me with my career and you know what you did help me <laughs> yeah, out when true. i needed it you you guided me through applying to kotaku and i knew patricia also and she was like oh i know her work right. i want her here and like that was deeply advantageous to me and i'm not gonna say that it was only knowing the right people or only hard work because it's a mixture that of shit both. Helps. It helps. It well, shit helps. But I think that this is the meritocratic uh, worldview will claim Gita's story right. as its own, right? They'll be like, no, you did that. I like, didn't do it, though. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, no, you're yeah, totally right. But the, the argument is, yes, you did do that. You worked hard. You stuck to it. That could have not worked out. You know what I mean? That yeah. could have, you could have stuck to it and it becomes a heartbreaking, like, years of just not getting anywhere. And then you make the switch to, you know, full-time retail when you're 40 or yeah. something. That's a story that also happens to people. That's yeah. the thing. The meritocratic argument is, like, well, no, they just uh, RIP to your grandma. But, <laughs> but he is different. different. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, they must have fucked up somehow. And it's like, I don't right. think that's true. I think no. there are people just as capable as me who may have functionally had an identical background, similar opportunities. 100%. It's a lottery ball. It's all ball. probabilistic. Yeah. Pick, dude, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, Listen, literally. And then once you're the in the I system, live. I know where I you're live. You're in the system. Like, I know, like, I grew up on food stamps. I know what it is. Like, I know what, I. when I think about my friends who I went to, like, elementary school with, who were not any less intelligent than I was, but who had different support structures, mm-hmm. who had had less access to things like uh, uh, f- a small thing, right? Is I had family in multiple different states, which meant I had traveled and saw stuff from different places pretty early in my life, which gave me a certain worldview yeah. um, that helped me think about things in a different way. Tiny thing. Not a thing I work. I didn't work to have family in different socioeconomic backgrounds and to have like, oh, my 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 dad's, you know, little sister turned out to be a lawyer in upstate New York. I'm okay, that's a weird, that's a whole different life than my mom's side of the family who lived in a, a kind of a failed coal mining town in Pennsylvania and is also different than the sort of like working class burbs that I lived in uh, as a kid. And that is, and having that had nothing to do with me working hard, but I had friends who 
worked just as hard, if not harder at school, like worked in terms of putting the hours to try to get grades, in terms of worked to try, try to actually do Yo, well I in know school. what you're fucking talking about. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like yeah. y'all out here doing homework. I, I'm, was like, I'm, I woke up and I got an A. I, I, I don't know how to an explain a, it. And that is not, that is not, uh, that is not me patting myself on the back. I'm not like, and my IQ is just like that. I, it just, I know other people worked just as hard, if not harder, but had extra weights, right? I had extra hurdles that they had to clear. And then even when they cleared them, were not offered certain opportunities that I was for reasons that had nothing to do with who I am versus who they are in terms of labor, in terms of like what we've done to get here. Um, and that is deeply frustrating. And to me, it, I have to confront that in my politics. I can't pretend that that's not the case yeah. or worse, except that there are only a certain number of slots for what we can, what we claim as success, right? What yeah. we claim as, as not only success, but safety, security, like living a good life. Like we have to, we have to decouple those two things. Like there are, you shouldn't have to be a superstar in whatever your field is in order to feel slightly stable in this country, in order to feel like you'll be able to sustain yourself through a medical emergency, in order to feel like you've had a fulfilling life. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the thing that a lot of black parents and what my mom and dad told me when I was young, I mean, it applies to black people, but I honestly think that everybody should understand that this also applies across class lines, which is you have to work twice as hard mm -hmm. for half as much. Like, that's something that my parents told me a lot. Like, that's why they insisted that I get not an A minus, but a full A grade <laughs> or an A plus, you know. They insisted that I have extracurriculars because they experienced this and it was true for them. You have to, my dad's entirely self-taught in, like, IT stuff. Like, it's fucking incredible how much he knows and how much he can do. That's just Did he get all, that drone? Uh, he did not get the Excuse drone, me? sadly, <sighs> no. Dad did not get the drone. What drone? Well, my dad was trying to get someone a drone for Christmas wow. because he wanted he, a drone, but he didn't want to take care of the drone. This oh, is so incredible. charming. Wow. He asked everybody in the family. He asked me. He asked my mom. <laughs> he asked my brother. My brother on the phone in California. And then he asked my brother's girlfriend. And then he asked, you know, my mom's sister and my mom's sister's husband and drone. my cousin. He wanted just to get an $80 drone, but he wanted to, to take pictures of stuff. I, I but he didn't want to have to take care of it or find a place oh, for it. I see. He wanted someone else to have it so he could I play see. with it. So he could fuck around with <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Access, not, you know. oppor <laughs> not opportunity. <laughs> Yeah. Bring yeah. drones, collectively owned drones. That's a collectively owned drone. When I wrote about that at Kotaku, I got emails from people that were like, "Yo, I'll go, your dad can give me a drone." And I was like, yeah, I do not know you. <laughs> like that was not an option. He can give me a drone. Drone, collective live. <laughs> drone, drone collective live is unlike anything else. I love. I love. Oh my their god. Music. Uh, to the point. Oh, sorry. Go for it. I was just gonna say, like, uh, the ultimate lie of the meritocracy is that even once somebody's made it. Oh yeah. Capitalism really fucks with the the stability of companies. My mom worked at Motorola in the height of like when beepers were a fucking thing, okay. right? You know? Uh and she worked in their uh in their chip division. She was like soldering stuff. And instead of switching which Motorola like the company Motorola did, this facility like kept making beepers well into the past the time where cell phones were a thing already. Oh, no. And eventually that place shut down and my mom lost her job because they were just like trying to squeeze every last bit out of that production line right. instead of trying to think, what are we going to transition these people to? Right? So like, even though she had had stability, the fact that fucking, you know, they're just worried about making the most profits is going to always put someone under the fucking boot. You know, mm -hmm. like, they're just yeah. like, we don't care, you're d expendable. <laughs> I mean, look at academia, right? When my mom got into academia, you know, I was thinking about this too when you were talking about how the ability to travel just oh, showed yeah. you different ways of life and culture. You know, I 
I grew up on a college campus, so I saw Edward Said speak before he died. Right. Yeah. When Stephen Jay Gould came to the campus where my mom worked and where I grew up, uh, my, we, we saw him speak before he died. You know, like that, that right. kind of shit. But um, when my mom got into academia, she was able to get a tenure track job because it was still exclusive and still, you know, a challenge to get into a university. It was considered, you know, skilled labor, that kind of thing. My brother now has an MFA, and the only way really to make a living in the arts is to become a working, a teaching artist. And or to get out. He, <laughs> right, all together. He, yeah. Him and his girlfriend are fighting for the same adjunct jobs now, you know? And, like, I, uh, the average salary for an adjunct professor at this point, like, fuck, fuck trying to find a tenure-track yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not going to find one. But university admin... Jobs. Yeah, mm. you know, they figured out that universities can also be for profit, yeah. basically. Oh, yeah. It's it's really amazing how much has changed now that people have understood the utility of a college degree is not what it used to be. <laughs> well, but I think, so, to like, to where, to where you began that point with, like, being part of a successful company, being someone contributing to the success of that company doesn't necessarily make you make you significantly less vulnerable to the vicissitudes of fortune in a capitalist economy. And I think one of the weird things, I think one of the things that drives this idea of people, like so many people think they're middle class who on the high income end, it's because they know they're not rich. They don't feel rich. They don't feel they're rich. like, mm-hmm. and they're right, right. because they right. know that if their high paying jobs went away, their lifestyle could not be afforded for more than a couple months tops before like you begin cutting deep. And that is you're comfortable, but you are still precarious and you can go sliding down the class ladder real fast with every month. You don't find a job of similar, uh, you know, compensation to replace that lost job. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm in a good place right now. Sometimes I think, man, what if Vice just did a round of layoffs yeah, what and I did? got hit? Totally. Yeah. I would be in deep shit, mm, not immediately, but <laughs> yeah. in a period of weeks, probably I would need to be thinking about like, okay, what what can I maintain? What do I have to give up? Um, and when all of Deadspin was laid off, or all of Deadspin quit in solidarity with Barry um, after Barry was laid off by uh, Jim Spanfeller, I had this moment where I was a union rep, so I was deeply concerned for people like Michael Fahey, who's paralyzed from the waist down. And, you know, what would happen to him if something similar to Despot happened to Kotaku? But I had this moment quite violently where I just realized if I lose, if they, if, if Steven gets laid off for a bullshit reason, I absolutely wouldn't feel able or safe to work at this company and I would leave. But then that would just mean at the end of the month, I would have to move back to my parents' house. Yeah. And that's it. You know, that would be it. That'd be, I had a little writing career and now it's done. And now I work in retail. (laughs) And I I think this notion of people know they're middle class, but like really you're just a different version of working class in terms of what your risks are, right? Like the the day-to-day reality might look different, but to a degree, like there's been, there was sort of this movement to divorce people's identity from being working class. That became a a polite euphemism for poor. That wasn't true, but I think, you know, when U.S. industry was booming, right, when a lot of, like, where my family sort of put down roots, working class was, wasn't a badge of shame. It was just a reality, right? You did shift work at yep. the mill or the factory. That working class sort of defined the structures and realities of your life and your community. A lot of people began to get away from that and begin having a higher standard of living. And this this notion was, well, you're middle class. You made it. 
you're one of the good people now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that still doesn't mean you're rich. And I think like middle class in the past meant pretty safe and secure in, you know, a, in a sort of modest provision for you and your family. Right. But you weren't in imminent risk of losing it all from a layoff or a job transition. Now there's this weird thing where like middle class becomes an aesthetic like everything else. It has no, it, it has no real economic reality or substance to it. It's just this thing that people identify as because working class or poor is something you don't want to be because that implies a value judgment on you. Mm-hmm. But you're not rich because you don't know what rich is. You don't know what it looks like, but you know it ain't you. Yeah. And I think one of the things that sort of the uh, socialist movement that you know Bernie is sort of spearheading right now is it's starting to recognize that reality of like there's a lot of people in the same boat or similar boat who maybe haven't realized it until now, who maybe haven't realized that like you can have a good job and a good standard of living, and you are still terrified every night. You still feel that, like, panic clawing at you. Yeah. yeah. And over time, like, that sort of fear can turn to a deep sort of anger, right? Like, why do I have so much? And yet I am terrified all the time of, like, how can I go away? What's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the weird things sort of at work in politics right now, which is we've got these – class categories, middle class, working class, they become kind of useless. Yeah. There's only two classes of people that really matter at this point. There's workers and bosses. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you are someone who works for someone else, if who has someone else setting your hours and telling you what to do, you're a worker. And if you are the person that has people working for you and telling them what to do, like at the top of the food chain, Mm -hmm. not not a middle manager, at the top. Then you're a boss, and fuck you, honestly. <laughs> this was the, like, when people, when, when Warren laid out the wealth tax, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, two cents on every dollar you have north of, like, what was it, a billion dollars? It's a bill, yeah. And people are like, there's no way that could pay for that much in this country. That's yeah. insane. And it's like, no, you don't understand how much money is stuffed under glorified mattresses yeah. yep. for rich people, right? You do not understand, like, the amount of resources the capitalist class holds at all times and right. keeps from circulating in the economy. And <laughs> uses to, like, secure their position in any sort of market shifts that happen. And which we legislatively keep, like, allowing them to, to take more and more. Tax holiday to I, bring your money from overseas exactly. into the U.S. Yep, as if, as if, uh, as if you know, with the belief that they will inject it into the economy, make new hires, invest in new projects, and they just don't. And then just year, we see them not doing it. Yeah, we have totally. the data already. Like, we, do, we can't keep giving tax breaks to the wealthy because they don't reinvest <laughs> it in the economy. They do not do that. They don't want to. The only thing desire they have is to continue to have that money. I think a lot of this is why, to wrap back around to what Patrick brought up a little bit earlier ago, was like why the Joe Rogan stuff ended up like that audience. Uh, why it resonates with Rogan and why it has re- resonated with Rogan's audience. I just want to kick things off by saying like I think Joe Rogan is a piece of shit. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, dick. <laughs> I think he is he super sucks. transphobic. Uh, I think that he has platformed bigots and people who have like pursued hate campaigns like I have oh, no, the, he's, he's the the the, uh, the epitome of well, I'm just asking questions I'm just asking, man. yeah fuck off um I I will say that like I am what I'm interested in is the fact that Bernie's performance on that show uh and and we can again we can talk about the politics and optics and everything else around whether or not the Bernie campaign should have you know, I find it so much less interesting than uh, yeah. Rob's point of like people identifying people, that they're all exactly. in the same boat. Exactly, yeah. like his, and that is what happens. His audience res- and a lot of I know a lot of people that listen to that show. You know, like it's a, such a bigger audience than I think. People, you can't even you can't you cannot fathom. It's the bigger audience. than Waypoint. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think someone That's said 200 million downloads a month. Are like, you, Yeah. You know, Bernie Sanders couldn't possibly <laughs> platform uh, Josh Rogan because Rogan has... Right, that, um, Emmanuel wrote that piece yeah. uh, on Motherboard like, yeah. that week where, where he's like, maybe the only argument for Bernie getting that wrong was like, why even cite it? Because yeah, like, like Rogan reaches more so people. many people. So many more people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, totally. I, I think maybe they wanted to show the Rogan voters that, yeah, we get it. We get it. We hear you. But I mean, I, I think it'd be yeah, also I, easy to like cut a really quick web app, you know, ex- <laughs> like highlighting trans rights. And response as well. I did notice on the day that they tweeted that out, they also had a lot of really explicit tweets uh, about Bernie's Jewish heritage (laughs) and stuff like that to make sure that if you're here, if you're part of this movement, you should actually shut the fuck up (laughs) a little bit. A little bit. But, you know. The thing I keep coming back to with with that whole thing um, specifically is like, and I think this is true for a lot of things. Where as we as we move into this period where the the DNC and the establishment is like super scared of Bernie, that you see a lot of the like shots coming out against him, and and there are some that are more factual than others. Most of them, I feel like, are serious reaches. Um, but the ones who are like, hey, but look, uh, actually, we have this footage of him being for this crime bill in a way that he previously said he wasn't. Does that move the needle for me? Or or I guess maybe another way of saying this is when I look at all of the candidates, they all have things that make me like them less. They all have things that are like, man, that's a fuck up. Or, oh, wow, this sucks. Like, wow, I, I'm i never going to get over Elizabeth Warren's Native American heritage claims. Like, right. I'm never going to to not, in part of my, my mind, hold that against her. But then I lay all those things out. And I, I, this thing's like, I don't even need to do apolo- an, an apology or apologia for the Joe Rogan clip. I can say that's bad. And then I can say... And also, that's not going to stop me. That's not enough to turn me away from supporting Bernie in this primary season. Um, I can say that, like, okay, hey, I wish that he'd had better. Uh, I wish he'd come around on Black Lives Matter earlier. I absolutely do. For I, sure. I like was loud and, and like a vociferous critic of the way he handled Black Lives Matter in 2016, and also still voted for him because the fundamental plan is one in which that I could in, I could consider or I could I could imagine it incorporating that critique yeah. into its structure because the structure is already leaning in that direction towards actual justice. For me, it was when he let the protesters on stage. Sure. Where I was like, okay, he actually cares about this. <laughs> he will listen. He even if he's just Back making 16. a show of it. Sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was like a big even being a good show of it is part of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. If he's willing to set like give the mic to people protesting him. Then I I get you. I like respect you now. It's like, different. ironically that became the campaign strategy. Right? Yeah, it was get mm-hmm. other people on stage and let them tell their stories. Yeah, was the the way you criticized him in 2016. That is now the way he campaigns. If in, you in ever watch one of those rallies, I highly recommend it. They have them streaming live on Twitter all the time. Me and Dave, my my boyfriend watch him while we're eating breakfast sometimes when I when I make him breakfast when he sleeps over. And he <laughs> he. <laughs> I love David. Very cute. He's real nice. Um, he is. I, can I don't think he... I can vouch. Yeah, you met him. He's, you know he exists. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he can listen to this podcast. I don't think anyone thought he didn't exist yeah. until you said that. <laughs> now was now my boyfriend definitely exists. I got pictures of him. That breakfast we had. You know, I didn't see them go back to the same place together, so I don't actually know. I'm just going to ask a question. Is it possible that Dave is a crisis actor? Does David just look different every time we meet him? Can we get him on Joe Rogan? Yeah, can we get Dave under Rogan to confirm? Oh, my God. He could never listen to this. Um, (laughs) He's a sweetie pie. Um, What was I even saying about him? I just got... I watched those. Every single rally he has, there is... He'll do his stump speech. He will take questions, but there's just, like, an hour 
where he'll just like, okay, you know what time it is. We're going to talk about like uh, our healthcare problems, our issues with healthcare. Like anyone here in this room has had um, like a deductible that they've met quickly that's just like fucked up their life and they just like yeah. has the hands goes up and then he just passes the mic around and sometimes he'll interject and be like the concept of a deductible is fundamentally fascist basically <laughs> but like it's it is it, it is you know and like uh things like copays don't make any fucking sense if you're gonna Bro, be real why about, is you know? dental care not health care in exactly. this fucking country fucking why are uh, why uh, is you uh, why are, fucking die. this is my body this is my health from the shit going on in your mouth sorry to sound catholic all of a sudden this is my body <laughs> this is my health no okay so when drink of it. i mean even or the, <laughs> even orthodontry like i was gonna have a tooth that was gonna come out in the middle of my hard palate there Yo, was no. Whoa. All right. Yeah. Time oh, out. <laughs> yes, that was real. They had to go up in my mouth. Ma- I had mouth surgery. Pull it down and attach sure. a chain to it to my braces. But there was no way I was going to get out of my adolescence without having braces. And you right, know how yeah. much fucking braces cost? A lot of money. They are not covered by money. my health insurance no. that I have right now. Like they're not. Like if no. I if I had a child that had to have braces, that would be coming out of pocket, and I do not know how. Or you have to pay that. way more per month. Yeah. Out of your paycheck into a dental co- yeah. into a dental plan. Yep. It's, you know, like, that kind of basic shit, like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. Our teeth are not cosmetic. We, you need those. I need them. <laughs> yeah. I just want to shout out real quick my dentist, this new dentist I went to. I, this is, like, a complete diversion. But I just want to, I just didn't tell this part of the story. Mm. I told, like, the horror, horrible existential crisis, fear, debt stuff when we talked about Kentucky Route Zero. Um, but I I've told, I said previously I had, like, a, such a bad experience with my previous dentist, like, for a year plus. Just, like, a guy yelling at me, like... <laughs> Just a guy very upset with me all the time. Made until me feel, Bernie like, was until Bernie <laughs> came through. Bernie had my Bernie gave me a microphone while I was in the dentist chair. No, he he was just like someone who, like I, uh, as a person, my least favorite thing is to feel like I'm inconveniencing someone. Part of that is is like being black and feeling like attention is always a dangerous thing. Part of that is being fat and feeling like I my presence. I'm just so big. I'm so big. Just, I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like I feel like. There's a judgment. Me constantly. on a plane. Me I'm like, plane. I'm so sorry for all of this. For all, I think <laughs> this is my fault. This is my fault. Honestly, right. I did this to you. This is, I'm, yeah, exactly. If I could make this up to you, do, do you want a drink? Like, is there anything? I don't. Yeah. I'm gonna not talk to you. I'm gonna look the other way. Absolutely. That's like part of what it means to be a fat person in in the world. Um, but uh, I go to this new dentist. And I, I start off by being like, listen, I just want to say up front, I have like a pretty bad gag reflex at the back of my mouth when you're doing, if you're doing anything back there, which is where this tooth was, because I saw my wisdom teeth and that crowding means that certain nerves like are more sensitive. Um, and he was like, and I was like, he could tell immediately, I was like, you, are you like, okay? Like, did you have a bad dentist experience? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, listen, our chairs have massagers built in. If you want, do you want to watch The Office? And I was like, "What are you Yo, talking what about?" The like, fuck? He's like, "We have noise canceling headphones. If you want that, or we can just put it on. We have speakers. We're gonna send you home with some AirPods." No, yeah, totally. Like, it was the <laughs> most like lush, calm. Do you crack in your phone? Where is right? yeah. we, got well, we got a guy. We got a guy. Need a new battery? What do you? Twenty five bucks. At the end of, he was like, "You know, I just want to let you know, like, you were fucking champ." And I was like, "Thank you." It's <laughs> like a therapy incredible. session. Of long long I know the whole time through, he was like, "You're doing incredible," and I was like. I'm like, this is nothing. Also, he was just so much better as a dentist. He was just like, uh, like no pain. You're like just a cold, wet cat pulled down from a tree. It was (laughs) was so nice. He gave me a second, like, like anesthesia shot. He was like, oh, there's two nerves in there. If the other dentist didn't give you the second shot, he was fucking up. And I was like, wow. (laughs) You know what? Thank you. 
What? Like, this Can is... you let, let me know what dentist you're yeah, like, yeah. I need. I haven't been to a dentist in like five years. If I told you the name of it, <laughs> oh it would my, be very welcome funny. Kato knows because Kato recommended me this yeah. place. And it sounds like an app. It it's sounds like bad. a fucking app or like a pop-up oh, store. Oh, people are going to identify this now. I know. Like, yeah, they are they are wait, I think I might be getting Instagram ads for this. Are you? Uh, for okay, well, like a, something that, an app pop-up store dentistry place. That's, yeah. Yeah. I don't want my dentist to be working out of a pop-up, though. It isn't actually a pop-up. Like two days ago, this was like a gallery. It 100% has that vibe. There, well, maybe they're serving tacos. Wait, why are get those pancakes in dentistry? Really like, hey, your teeth look great. Go get some, some carnitas. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> We've got nitrogen we ice cream, cream in the back. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank uh, you for letting me drop so, my. But I am curious. But everyone in this country should have access to good dental care. True. <laughs> but I do think. But, uh, yeah, but everyone. Everyone. In this country should have access to good dental care. Good dental care. <laughs> good. And uh, good is harder for me. Everyone. That kind of stuff is. Everyone. Well, you can just say it by like. Flapping your lips, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> but yeah. good, good is harder, much harder. Yeah. Uh, but I think going back to the Rogan thing for a second, though. Yes. It did sort of highlight something that I'm not sure how it plays out. Like, if the theory of changes, there's a lot of disenfranchised people who have been divorced from the political process in a lot of ways on these political discussions. Getting the Rogan endorsement to a degree, is a first step in, like, this is kind of what it looks like to, to, to some extent, right? Finding someone with a megaphone right. to those audiences right. and starting to bring them in. But those audiences have also sat out or been, to a degree, antagonists of a lot of other social movements. And there's this weird thing where this last week did feel a little bit like the rubber meeting the road of, like, everyone has known this is one of the drivers of this theory of change. Mobilize a lot of people. Like, reach, to, reach out to people who have walked away from this right. process and these discussions. A big tent of voters instead of a big tent of internal, co- like a big right. coalition of different, you know, uh, uh, I- ideological subdivisions. But, but when but when you're having these discussions just among leftists, it's very easy to say, well, here's what's going to look like. It's going to be people like us. I've got this imaginary block of voters who've walked away, and they're people like me who just are so disgusted by all this that they've they've sort of checked out of the process. And they're not like me. Some of them are, but majority aren't, right? Because people like me are already in these these discussions. They're already invested in this. And so to me, the, the thing I'm trying to see how this plays out is like, if this theory of change works, then the mass movement that a candidate like Bernie would have behind him and people who sort of take up the mantle and begin driving these sort of changes uh, you know, in the United States, that coalition at least at the start, in its nascent stages, is going to include people that traditionally we do not want to break bread with. We do not want to make camp with and, like, form coalitions with. And I'm not sure how that tension is resolved because I think one of the things that drove the negative reaction to how Bernie handled the Rogan endorsement is that a lot of marginalized groups know for a fact that they are first, the first ones under the bus, that their support will always be exchanged quite readily and happily for the support of some disaffected, pissed-off white guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how this, like, uh, the, I, I think, look at this I think, and I'm like, how does this uh, uh, we're, we're play it forward? Here's how, for me, I think one of the big things around messaging here is about making it clear that you're always breaking bread with someone you don't want to in this system. 
Uh, it's different people. We've become very accustomed to breaking bread for people, breaking bread with people who voted for the Iraq war. We've, we've become very, very accustomed to breaking bread with people who are, uh, happy for, happy to, uh, again, keep the, the kind of school to prison pri- pipeline, uh, operating, who, people who are happy to include, uh, uh, you know, vote for policies that disenfranchise black voters, um, because uh, we're happy to break bread with people who, who make the case that people in prison should not have the right to vote. Um, those people suck too. Uh, and I think part of the kind of like cold water of recognizing that you're going to have to vote or vote alongside people who maybe you don't agree with on, on many policies is it, it, something that you have to confront par- partially by saying that that is, that is what electorates look like. But also I think by believing in the, the system that, or not the system, but the but the the rally system and continuing those rallies post election as a sort of educational and yeah. and uh, coalition building, you know, unity building system. You look at these. You look at the rallies now. Shit, look at Trump. Honestly, right? Like this is someone who's who has used like, that system to to keep people motivated and, and together, who otherwise would probably not be right. right? Yeah, who would have turned against him? I feel like like one for me is that I understand like. Not everyone wants to do the work of, like, teaching someone why racism is bad. But on a case-by-case basis, sometimes I'll meet disenfranchised young men who start saying things that sound alt-righty to me. And I'm like, well, sit down. Let's talk about why you feel this way. And right. I'm, I, I feel like it's a good way to reach people and to teach them that they have a right to feel bad. But let's not blame other people. Or at least let's blame the right people. Right. And, and like that, that is an opportunity, you know. If and a, the campaign so, is the is literally the place to do that absolutely. because it shouldn't be on us. Like while we're eating lunch at our with with our friend's <laughs> boyfriend, yeah. And our friend's boyfriend <laughs> is just shitty, and we're like, oh, do we? Am I really going to lose is this, this not whole David? No, no, David's a leftist. David, I haven't met David. He's. Nice. I'm not sure David exists. So David's real, admit, and I, he's let me my meet friend. David. <laughs> um, to Zola Jesus just endorsed Bernie. Uh, yeah, with the, the the a tweet that says "witches for Bernie Sanders," hashtag <laughs> "witches for Bernie," holding an axe and wearing that shirt of him getting uh, with him getting torn away from a protest. We, I'm so cops. glad we finally got the witch. Uh, the witch demo. The witch demographic. Yeah. Has, has supported Bernie. And like I, you know, I I feel like a lot of people. I I am not someone who obviously like I I clearly put a huge importance on social justice in my political activism. But I feel like the way that people talk about social justice on the Internet is really, really annoying for me, where it's not it, it's treated like it's an either or with class politics. And it's not like understanding the basic under like concept of intersectionality should make this really easy for people. But it isn't for some reason. And sometimes the way that people talk about social justice, like anti-racist work, uh, feminism, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, well, if you talk to anyone ever that doesn't have the same beliefs as you, you're going to get cooties from them. You're going to get the racism cooties. And then if someone posts a picture of you with that person, they're going to know that you caught racism from them. And like, that's not how that works. You know, we just live in a racist society. And some people buy into that and they haven't had yet had the curtain fall. And you can help them. You can guide them. And it's not on everybody. But, like, let's give them a chance. Let's just not write them off. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think like, that it is. So I, what I, what a I lot of time like, to just, like, blatant anti-poor uh, bullshit. Uh, yeah. I, I will say that there is a degree to which I don't feel... I don't hold it against anyone who was like, man, fuck off, actually. I've, I have dealt with too much in my life. I'm not bringing, like, angry white dudes... Anywhere near me. Like, I don't want to stand in line with them. I get it. I get where that comes from. It comes from a real place. It comes from a place of trauma and a place of, like, uh, uh, 
knowledge, like actual knowledge, and and that knowledge is I don't trust these people to actually change. I get it, um, but I think that if we're if we're going to be living in a world where the two options are a Democratic Party that fundamentally boils down to debate me, bro, and a, and, a, and a Democratic Party or a Democratic candidate who believes that, like, through sharing stories, we can slowly, organically educate the populace. I, I know where I'm going to fall there. Yeah. Um, because, again, the alternative is the alternative is also racism. It's also a system and a party that fundamentally supports policies that don't actually fix the problems of systemic racism. They just they just defend uh, the opportunity for for a multiracial or a you know a, a broad diverse sexual identity and gender identity uh, folks of broad sexual and gender identities to compete. And that's not the same thing as equality. Yeah, you personally don't have to be the person that debates your your cousin's <laughs> shitty boyfriend. Bernie Sanders is volunteering to be that guy. <laughs> you know? Honestly, if, Bernie Sanders is going to come to your Thanksgiving dinner. He's going to bring Bernie to breakfast. Right. <laughs> bring Bernie to breakfast. Some Bernie needs to get on that <laughs> service, a uh, cameo. Get, oh, get oh Bernie on cameo. Can we just get the, the Alexis Kennedy? Uh, no, not Alexis Kennedy. Not yeah, Alexis not. Kennedy. <laughs> no. No. No, the, the one, James Kennedy saying, join the DSA comrades from cameo really quick. Yeah, pull it up. Uh, I and question. then we can probably wrap. Yeah. Well, I actually have a question, which is like, we didn't talk about. Uh, this is like silly stuff, but I'm kind of interested in the horse race aspect of this. Looking forward, we're mm. about to move into the primary season. Iowa, when we're recording this, I will it be that this comes out on Monday, right? This no, comes out tomorrow. No, oh, this, this, comes out tomorrow. this will be for yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll we're record. We're right swinging Iowa right now. We're swinging. I Listen, if you're in Iowa, which I know some of you are, we have st statistics. We could look at those. Please take photos at the caucuses. And Please do. Seriously. That would be sick. Tag it. Waypoint Radio. Mm -hmm. Waypoint for Bernie. So if Bernie <laughs> um, Sanders has a caucus guide if you live in Iowa and don't know what to expect. I will say that caucusing is a system that I really think should change yeah, because well, it essentially requires also maybe, you. Also, maybe Iowa shouldn't be first. Yeah, maybe Iowa shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be fucking first. It essentially requires but if you're in Iowa, get out there. <laughs> it's too late to do that to now. To have the ability to be somewhere from the hours of like 6 to 10 p.m. at night. And I know, and like standing the entire mm -hmm. time. So I know if like if you're disabled yep. or if you have a job or if you have a baby or if you have class, this is probably isn't possible for you. But if you do have the ability to stand for several hours and to be somewhere like at 7 p.m. sharp, they close the doors at 7 p.m. sharp and just stand there, go. Yeah. Please do it. Because we want I mean, the best thing that Bernie Denders does, I think his the Burn app is really amazing, but also just his campaign is very, very good at getting people to get off of their couches and onto the streets. And if he inspires you, like, fellow supporters are going to make your heart sing. They're going to make yeah. you feel so good and so warm. It feels good to get out there. Like, I, we, when I was one of the, can the uh, in the house that flipped, and, like, I went out and canvassed for the first time in my life. And it was to a bunch of Republican areas, like, right. because that's a lot of the... We like there's a really rich contingent of the neighborhood that I live in, and that's a lot of where they sent me because at the end of right before voting was happening, was like, well, we want you to send you to the doors that really aren't going to open for you, but you still need to yeah. check it off and and see see where people are leaning. Um, and it felt fucking good. Like it feels good to get out there, and even if it's just standing, like you don't have to go and debate someone. Like there's a there's like even uh like some of the local candidates local candidates stuff I'm getting involved in lately. Like there's like data entry. Like I'm not going to do that because I don't want to, but like. There's stuff you can do yeah. that isn't like going there's, to talk. If that gives you anxiety, yeah, right. yes. Bernie Look. Sanders app, you can text for Bernie. Yeah, there's all um, sorts of shit you can do that doesn't require to like go talk to a person if that's going to give you 
like intense anxiety because yeah. I get it. I talk on a microphone for uh, a living and like still going up to someone's door and like it was <laughs> stressful. Like I wish I was with someone that would have made it a lot easier. But yeah. it was just me and I was like a bunch of people that like don't like me knocking on their door. I got door. chased by by dogs uh, canvassing for Obama in 08 in Ohio. It was fucking scary. I didn't even get up to the door. It was just, it was rural Ohio that we were in, you know. We were in Lorain County, and they bust a bunch of college students out into far away from the college campus. And I just walk down this driveway, and I see some dogs. And I don't see a fence, and the dogs see me, and they start (laughs) running. So I start running, you know? Yeah. I I start running. Uh, My David got chased by a guy with a machete. I was just going to say he has a good (laughs) getting chased story. I mean, it's a terrible story. (laughs) That's But he was safe. Yeah. Yeah, he was at a, a trailer park and he was talking to some people who were undocumented and they were like, so we can't vote. So, but, you know, go I talk think to that, that person guy. Go talk to that guy. He didn't want David to be there at all. <laughs> Did not want David to be there and he had a machete. <laughs> so it's scary. It, it is scary. <sighs> there is stuff you can do. But if you have the ability to get out and like talk to other supporters and other people in this movement, like I, I think there's nothing else that makes me feel like I'm doing something that matters than to actually with my feet on the ground doing something and hey if it interests you get get educated about you know fights down ballot in your local community too like they need your support that's what i did was like illinois yeah. blue there wasn't a lot you know when 20, 2018 came around there was something for me for my local candidate but like you know i was telling you like yeah. after 2016 happened it's like well there's this big fight happening over uh you know having uh like you know gender neutral bathrooms in the high schools and like I went and voted for our school board for the school board people who were promising to put that into the school and we won by 50 votes and like a vote that was like 400 people and yeah. it's like shit that shit matters and, like yeah, that helps does. on the ground yes. it's like not going to I can't control Trump like I'm you know I'm that is so much out of my hands but I can control who the fuck is on that school board because I live there get to know your neighbors get to know the people who live in your street see what their needs are and see who's going to fight for them well, and and to that point about like the Democratic Party that exists in local municipality municipalities can be very different from these oh, discussions yeah. we see on the national level, right? Yeah. Like things are often pretty bad for poor folk in cities where ostensibly the entire thing is run by Democrats. So, what is driving that? And yeah. a lot of it is there's sort of a reflexive party loyalty that is completely undeserved by like the incumbent class of. Democratic politicians in like state houses, on city councils and such. And like one of the things that I hope to see a mass movement do is like start targeting and purging these people from positions of power. Like, I mean, I've started getting more involved in like uh, local issues in Massachusetts. One of the first eye opening things that happened is like, yes, every district around me in the state house is controlled by Democrats who are currently blocking a comprehensive zero emissions bill in the uh, Massachusetts State House right now. Like, the representative for Lowell, dude named Tom Golden, like, controls the committee that has this bill to make, like, Massachusetts carbon neutral by, like, 2040 or 2050. Um, And he is basically sitting on it in committee, and if it doesn't get a committee, it'll probably not pass. And, like, this guy's a fucking Democrat. Yeah. And he's going to squelch it. And that's because there's a lot of people who are functionally... Republicans, like pro-business, et cetera, who've realized, well, Republican can't win this seat. Right. But if I just offer a few sops to liberals, uh, I can slide in. Yeah. Well, Republican can't win this, but I'm not racist, but I'm basically Republican. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why don't I just run? Yeah. Joe Lieberman did that once in uh, Connecticut. Right. Or he was like uh, he didn't get the Democratic nom and he just ran as an independent and he got it. Oh, anyway. Joe Lieberman, just one of the worst fucking people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But again, he uh, be like, kicked off a cliff, but that non-fatally. Is a, 
not yeah. fatally kicked off a cliff. Just, really just enough cliff. so that he would vote for single payer. Yeah, oh boy, because he's the one that fucked us on that. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing, right? That 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 is a case of this is a guy who was tolerated within the party, even though everyone knew he had these sort of political sensibilities and that will always bite you, right? This yeah. notion that, well, you need people like that in the big tent. It's like, no, because that means that inevitably they will betray you, right? Like mm-hmm. the big tent will include people who profoundly hate the mission of the other people gathered there. Mm-hmm. And when given the opportunity, they you will they will show their true colors. Yeah. Uh, so they got to go. So wait, I, I do, we didn't do the thing that I wanted, which is like, what do we think happens? Not I just mean, in I, Iowa, but this season. Because we're not, I mean, we'll check in, I'm sure, more, as things go. But, like, what do we what do we feel in our gut about this when we look at the, the I think data there's two, that's I think there's, like, two paths. So it's I, like, oh, go ahead. Around this time, uh, in 2016, I had this sinking feeling when I was watching the Democratic Party implode. And, like, Bernie, who was, like, the obvious choice just getting fucked, where I was like, Trump is going to win. And I just kind of knew it instinctively that there was not going to be anything that the Democrats could offer to the country that would make... Trump's message less attractive. This time, I, I, I think, I think, I don't want to say it out loud, but I think at least Bernie could be the Democratic nominee, and I think I'm going to put a lot of work into trying to make sure that he wins the presidency. Yeah, there's two paths. He he needs to kind of run the table in the first three states, right? Yeah. So the for people who aren't like fully aware, it's like, yeah, it goes Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, and he's got yeah. good polling in those three states, and then we shift to Super Tuesday, in which that includes a lot of southern states, which. Biden has like a pretty strong um, uh, base in um, with a lot of Southern voters. And the hope is that he gets momentum out of those first three states. And that translates to uh, a sweep on Super Tuesday. Yeah, which is like that. You know, Obama did a similar thing, right? Like he busted out out of out of Iowa and then converted things like South Carolina, which like the uh, was going nominally Clinton and then shifted over one is like, oh, yo. Like, you can actually do this? Yeah. All right. And then, like, a lot of the black voters in South Carolina came over, and, like, you sort of rode that wave to the end. And something, essentially, something similar needs to happen to Bernie in order to, because Biden has a lot of that same block of voters yeah. um, that will need to switch. I think he's got Iowa in the bag, and, like, that really makes you feel and he has New Hampshire in the bag. He seems to have Nevada yeah. in the bag. Yeah. So if he and can run California that, numbers it's just a matter of, like, be a Super Tuesday win, obviously. Yeah. Does he get converts yeah. off well, of that? Well, a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing about well, two, there's two things that Bernie's campaign approach has been like, we're not going to think about polls. We're not going to run our campaign according to polls. We want to bring, bring in people that are not polled because they're non-voters. Right. We want to make non-voters go out to the polls. So you you have to think about, well, there's, ex, there's extra like two to five percent of people that will actually respond to that. And because Joe Rogan endorsed this guy is going to decide to vote on Super Tuesday. Um, and there's also like... I forgot the second thing. And you know what? That's fine. That's okay. I'm living my truth. Well, I'm accepting I'm accepting my brain. I think the, the thing that I am also hopeful for is you're starting to see more coverage of the fact that like, hey, Biden actually has a centrist track record. Yeah. Like of being down to do deals with his pals in the Republican Senate. I think the social security thing is gonna hit his base with the elderly. I don't think we've seen it really even begin, yeah. right? Like, yeah. the story is beginning to get traction, but, like, as this gets nastier... As it narrows, too. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, my hope is that Buttigieg is gone soon. Like, I hope he stays around he long enough it? to leech some votes from Biden. Right, mm-hmm. um, right, right. But, yeah, I, I... What about Klobuchar? How long do you think Klobuchar stays in? I f- keep forgetting that she's running. Yeah, I was like, shit, <laughs> She, drops out. she stays through Super Tuesday, drops <laughs> okay, out. And then New York Times reminded me that Klobuchar was still running. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a nightmare <laughs> Oh, joke. my God. Ugh. Anyway. The most cowardly yeah, fucking I think, that's right. I, I think Biden loses if he gets the, if he gets the nomination. Yes. Oh, also. yeah. No, like, yeah, he, I agree. Trump is going to fucking sweep the floor with him. Like, there's so many different ways. Like, it's just, like, if he, if Trump can say something that's mean but accurate about someone, then you know that he's fucking got well, it in the bag. And there's so many mean but accurate things you can say about Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Biden is not a successful electioneer. Like, he is, like, he ran for president so many times. The only reason he has a shot now is because he's drafting in Obama's wake. Yeah. Um, but he has, he has a bad uh, track record as a candidate. And I don't like he is not built for a fight with Trump. Plus, yes, like Trump went way over a lot of uh, like legal lines to try and get uh, investigation of the Biden family in Ukraine. At the same time, Hunter Biden is one of the sketchiest motherfuckers. Uh, Hunter Biden like, has definitely smoked crack before. And, like, I don't want to disparage people yeah, why, that why? do drugs, yeah. like, do street drugs like that. But if you have that in your family history, Trump is going to talk about it. Right. And well, you I mean, don't have he. The thing is, like, you could roll with that and Biden could make that a part of his campaign and be like, look, I understand addiction and the opioid crisis is a big deal, blah, 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 blah. Look at my own son. He's not going to fucking do that. He's no, just going to pretend it doesn't exist. To me, it's look at my troubled like chain fuck up son who nevertheless got a position on the board of an eastern european uh like uh power company um Stephen a smith voice who was on crack yeah (laughs) but that's that's but i think that's that's the real issue is like and be 100 clear i I trust a lot of people i there are lots of people I trust who I know have done crack more than I trust Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, though, he was like doing crack in a smoke club, and I really just support anyone that supports strippers. So <laughs> I gotta, go. I gotta give him that. There you go. Okay, so uh, okay, now now we're down with Hunter Biden. Now we wrap back around. I would rather hang out with Hunter Biden than Joe. This is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Okay, more common. Okay, yeah. I think my point is, is just I more that like strippers. Yeah. Until this like this last ten years, like. The, Bi- the Biden had generally not cashed in on his name and position, but like his family sure has oh, yeah. in recent years. Oh, yeah. And so now they look as bent as not like obviously no. you can't match the Trump and Kushner plan because, yes. yeah, it's ridiculous. But Joe but Biden could have told his truth. son, if you do that, you know what I mean? He could have stopped yeah. that from happening yeah. and saying, like, your company will never get any kind of favorable deal. But also, Instead, I think at that point, I don't know that Biden knew he was going to be running. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. I don't know if Biden is aware of the day to day what's happening in his life. It's rough. It's rough. Also, pe- also people of that class like that's just normal, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not a red You're flag right. because that's just what people do. Right. They think that that's how you that's making it on your own. It's getting like a big leg up from your dad, and then you're responsible for your own knives journey. out. Yeah, knives nice. out. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, Hunter Biden, safe, self made man. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he went out there company. and he got appointed to a board of directors <laughs> for oh. an energy company, and he'll get destroyed on this. You know, that's yeah. that's the big. And I just don't think he has. It also, like I've heard the stories out of the Biden campaign are just miserable with just sort of like disorder. Did you see the thing where like, they were like, no "You're going to drive through this fucking blizzard, or we'll pistol whip you"? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't do that. Excuse no, me? there was um, for campaigning in what state? Was Iowa. It? In Iowa, you know, there was like a blizzard, and the conditions for driving were really shit. Um, and they sent out a text that was like, "Listen, if driving conditions are unsafe, you can talk to your specific captain." But on it, like, if real talk, I don't want to hear it. And this is an audition for staying on the campaign after Iowa, like very right. like. You want to be in politics, don't you? Yeah. And it was it was just ridiculous. Yeah, this so, is shit. I don't want to, I mean, yeah. I would just quit on the spot. Yep. 
Because I don't, I mean, if you're working that kind of job, you don't need that job. You're yep. doing it because you've got a passion for it. And I feel like a lot of people had a understanding of what politics was <laughs> vote, on that day. Mm-hmm. Vote Joe Biden. Your hours will be posted two hours before shift on Monday. <laughs> uh, all right. Kato did have something a moment ago bef- before we got off track. Did I? You did. If you lost it, is, I, it, is yeah, it gone? It's okay, gone. it's fine. <laughs> I right. saw someone wearing your PlayStation sweatshirt. Not like your specific one, yeah. but just in the street. It's popular, apparently. It's a really good I like it. And you know who else is popular is Bernie Sanders, and that's <laughs> who people should probably caucus for next week. Uh, that will. Can I, I think... give us the perfect transition? I know that like this, what? the next podcast we're, we're about to record. Podcast. Hold, hold on. Oh, just... so if they were one podcast? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, we're all in the same room, yeah. like because we, we. I just want to. I just want to read this headline. Okay. The Safdie brothers have been approached to direct a dark Pee Wee movie. Reports the Hollywood Reporter. In it, Pee-wee emerges from prison to become an unlikely yodeling star, then moves to Hollywood and becomes a movie star. Then he develops a severe pill and alcohol addiction that turns him into a monster. I've referred to it as the Valley of the Dolls Pee-wee movie, Ruben says. It's about fame. Pee-wee Herman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Paul Rubens. What? Okay. It's about fame. I would watch that, actually. He looks good. He's looking good. Yeah. All right, well, uh, our thanks to Too Mellow for the track <laughs> Slide Asleep off the album After Midnight. You can find that at TooMellowMakes.BandCamp.com. Right I'm just saying, this is a good shot. You can Look keep up them. with all of yeah, us at waypoint.vice.com. Yeah. I'm Rob Zachney. You can find me on Twitter, at Rob Zachney. Kato, where can people find you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Gita. Oh, at XOXO Gossip Gita. Patrick. At Patrick Lovick. He actually does kind of look like a policy. That'll log. do it for this week's <laughs> point. We we hope you, you know what I mean? The break. Yeah, he does. Please tell me that was Pete Buttigieg. I might believe you. Yeah. Platform of choice, if it allows such a thing. <laughs> What's I Pete like Buttigieg's platform, by the way? This is audio hell. hell. We'll be back again with Waypoint with Waypoint Radio on Monday. Yeah. Yes. We're, are we holding uncut gems for we'll next, the next hold, Friday? Yeah. Yeah. So we back. We back again with Waypoint Radio on Monday. We'll all be all nerved because it will be the day of the caucus. So yeah. True. Until then. Do not give in to astonishment or despair. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, <laughs> look, don't give into it, but use it as like yeah. a motivating force. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by get him, give into it? <laughs> All right, we'll take a break, like an actual break. Yeah, because yeah. like if Tuesday happens. goes bad. Uh, right. Do we want a break for lunch, basically? No. Okay. Let's go, I'll go I to love... lunch afterward. Yeah. And then I can we'll, write we'll about the murder bot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go to Max <laughs> afterwards. The fact that we're yeah. hungry yes. to shorten the podcast. <laughs> yes. but you want to get out of here? Fucking make your point fast. Ah, shit. Engage in commerce. Consume. <laughs> God damn it. Everything is good here in this fair and pleasant land. <laughs> Listen to Patrick tell you about smells. You heard about Mac, Mac Weldon? Oh, Don't so give them extra. <laughs> this is in the podcast. Bleep. This will be edited out. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh.
We'll see. We can, we can break on <clears throat> don't give them extra. Don't give them extra. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until we talk about the cool movies we get to watch for free and complain about them on the podcast. <laughs> Look, there's a lot. When your life standards recording? change, you can complain about those new standards. We should That's start recording true. just oh, to boy. have whatever our bullshit yeah, so right, I good. finally awesome. got the Sims Extreme murder mod to work, and Patrick and Rob watched me. Nice. Uh, Kill a person? Well, what I did was I invited the gang at the Thotties to town. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> they you were, download no, them, I, or did you make them yourself? Oh, they just hap- They appear. Wait, they're, the Thotties appear? Yeah, yeah, the Thotties are a summoned. part of the mod. You put, you go, okay, no, sorry, they're part of the mod. I thought for a second you were suggesting... Thotties! The come out and play! <laughs> Good. Great. See, mine was Teenage Mutant Ninja Thotties because they show up with size behind them. Oh, wow. shit. <laughs> he was just sitting like over my shoulder, Damn. just kind of like going, Teenage Mutant Ninja Thotties. It scans. I too. wonder what That's the fuck nice. was happening. <laughs> I, like, I was like, do they have size? And then you started singing, and so weird. me, I was doing work. Oh, oh, uh, oh, I see. So, wow. Investigating was... a Sims mod for a future blog post. Not, Not work, work, according uh-huh. to Rob Not fucking yeah. Zachney. I'm just yeah. saying there's some coding there, and I think, Rob, you should, we should have a little bit of talk after we finish <laughs> this up about what you think constitutes work and maybe some uh, of the lines, you know, that you're crossing. I think about labor and a lot of the other things we do at our workplace, other than the work, it is also labor. Would you prefer that you do this uh, at, at home hours, away from the uh, workplace? Look, I'm joking, because um, <laughs> I was, well, look at his I was updating my, <laughs> yeah, uh, look, my No, no, put planner. it up again. Put it up again. This is, I'm so See, happy. This, this makes is, me so happy. Me too. I want to understand how your organization because I need to be more organized. I'm a Virgo. I know okay. that means nothing. No, 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 no. But, Not at this table. We've gone down yes. star charts. Okay. It's all on record. Listen. Listen okay, I'm on co We talked so about rising signs. Me. It was a whole thing. No, I'm a Virgo, a uh, Libra rising Aquarius moon, okay. which I think really explains my mm-hmm. entire personality. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm like, also Libra rising, I believe. Which, oh, which that is, explains yeah, a lot too. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Leo. You'll all be shocked. Oh, that Leo. explains so know, much, dude. You have a fucking actual play podcast and you're a Leo. I know. <laughs> rising so you look the... reasonable uh-huh, about it. Yeah. But you love uh-huh. attention. I love that shit. <laughs> I hate it, but but yeah. And you see, I just think that everything everyone should do things my way because it's literally always the best way. And I only make good choices. And I have several I have at least three planners. So I got really excited. Yeah, so wait, Rob, you just got into I forget what what do, what do we call that style of, of planner? Uh again? so this is a uh Jibun Tejo. Uh, okay. which I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I have no idea. Sure. All I know is somebody on Twitter was like, You should check this out. <laughs> and I checked it out and I was like, with such a planner, I think I would be an organized person who gets things done. Ooh. With a planner like this in my hands. Time would not be lost any further. I would be a master of time. What's your oh sign? Oh my god, uh, Leo. You're a Leo. Also, yeah. what's your rising sign? What's a, what's a rising sign? Never mind. We'll do that later. I yeah. have to know your date, your your time of birth. Time of birth. When did we do that for? Was that for Kingdom Hearts? That was. You know what? That was Kingdom Hearts. That's why Rob wasn't there. Yeah. I right. think. Oh, I see. Because well, it was you, me, Natalie. Kyle, if you know your um, time of birth, I can help you out with that. I know the day, but I don't like. I think it was in the. You got evening. it. You, it's very. You need specific. the exact time. It changes every two hours. I was born at twelve oh eight. I was Midnight. born at 7.59 a.m. Yeah, the app, my, the app I use is like, text your mom. She fucking knows. Okay. <laughs> That's true. My mom actually has a portrait, like a picture frame with my baby picture in it and my date and time of birth, which was how I figured it out. So Perfect. I made my boyfriend also call his mom to there ask. There you go. And, you know, he doesn't believe in it at all, but 
He's a Libra, so he tries to be very fair to me. Yeah. I just wanted you to end that statement. I made my boyfriend call his mom. That's just what I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, call my your boyfriend's mom. mom is dope. She talks her like almost every day. Uh, I really, really like. She She saw me on, um, right before I met them, I was at the Giant Bomb late night thing with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boyfriend was like, oh, you're, this is what my girlfriend does for a living as sort of a way to explain it. Like, here's a her and a bunch of other video game people at E3. This is why she's here. And his mom was like, you know, I like that woman because the rest of the women on the panel, they're letting the men talk over them. Wow. <laughs> but she won't let the yeah, men talk you know? over them. And I was like, I have seen the Giant Bomb late night show before. And listen. You know you got to throw elbows. I know. I knew I had to throw elbows. I did not go quite as far as Dante Douglas did and say all cops are bastards. But Shout out to Dante Douglas. Doug- Shout out. Dante, so, Douglas Dante came ever- on a waypoint. Yes. Yeah. Once, right? I uh-huh. love him so much. At E3 much, last yeah. year, yeah. Yeah, right, at E3. That's where it was. I was like, we, when would we have had Dante? Oh, right, yeah, the time. Then. I can't remember what game it was, but... Uh, Me either. Some mm. nonsense. It was all blur, and I was drunk a lot. <laughs> yep. And cooking. And yeah. cooking. <laughs> the first thing I did when I got to Los Angeles was go to a dispensary. You know? Call. Smart. Yeah, yeah. It honestly. Was, Take advantage. It was great. First it was thing really nice Gita does, go to a dispensary. <laughs> first thing Kato does enters a Magic the Gathering tournament. You know, we all... <laughs> oh, I forgot that happened. We all have That's right. our... That was right. It was pre-release weekend. Uh-huh. It's like, bye, guys. I'm going to go buy some meat. I, yeah, got, Kata, I, got to the ho- I got to the house, and I'm like, where's Kato? It was either you or, or Rob was just like, he's at a Magic the Gathering tournament. Like, oh, like a... With his friends. And like, no. Just no. entered a tournament. Like, part of like, 3 or okay. they do an event? No. <laughs> no. Uh, so my friend Tyler McCall is... Um, she's the editor-in-chief of Fashionista. Com. And I was telling her about the thing I'm going to be doing next week, which is going to the Bagley Mishta New York Fashion Week runway show. Very excited and to hear your reports back on this. I I mean, Patrick told me if he said if they were offering to get me a Bagley Mishta outfit to wear to the show. And Patrick was like, if wearing the dress will make the story better, you should do it. And I like did actually think about it. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Covet fashion. It's for covet fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Covet fashion is a game all about the fantasy of being able to wear these things. Mm. So I should embody that fantasy oh, yeah. for this thing. So I'm you're, gonna, you're a, doing it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm going to wear the dress. I, mean, she, I yes. need, she needs my dress size. So I don't know what they're going to have in size six because fashion is a notoriously inclusive oh, yeah. Yeah. industry uh-huh. that thinks about mm-hmm. different body types. Um, That's going to be part of the story. Yeah, well, totally. Yeah, because Covet fashion, the game is trying to be as inclusive as possible. They have two different model sets, one just the pretty skinny white models, mm-hmm. and another that is a range of body types and a range of races. And Wait, do they make that division? Wait, wait, they so don't make like, that. Yeah. All right. If you get to use the old models or the new models. Okay. A lot of huh. people I've huh. heard, That's I want to ask them if they have these stats But it's not on like hand, the game but... is like, here's a selection of skinny white models, and it's all the colors of the skinny white model rainbow. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Other people, assorted. Assort, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> Miscellaneous. No, it, it, it frames it as, this is the old art. Irregular. You want to <laughs> use the new art. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on this new stuff. You should check out oh, this new okay. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, so it's a little okay. bit better. But yeah. like what I discovered ob- immediately is like what fashion people have now used to codify the, the thin white body is that the clothes hang better when you can see it consistently on the same body type over and over and over. And you have a better idea of what they look like, which is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. that's not... 
that's not. That seems that's like that causes some problems for people internalizing that norm. Yeah, and also for <laughs> me, an end user it feels like a, it feels like not the sort of thing that happens with any other art form. No one is like all songs have to be three minutes long. That's just how you can evaluate songs better. Oh, yeah. All four, gallery four, paintings four have four to be yeah, four, right, yeah, four thirty-three exactly. Yeah, all all like, paintings have to be film, on the same which canvas. Is like a fairly standardized medium when it comes to the technical aspects. Mm-hmm. Like not every movie is the exact access ratio. Not mm-hmm. And, like, people like Ang Lee are experimenting with things that are thought of as standard, like... Did anyone see that? Did you see Gemini? Did anyone see Gemini, man? complete trash. I wanted to see it. But I want to see it so bad. The problem is I only want to see it in the weird... Like, I don't want to go watch that at home on HBO I want to see 120, whatever, frames per second. Wait, what? So this the guy, Gemini uh, Man, Dan Olson. <clears throat> wait, did you not see this? I missed this entirely. You Will Smith. You don't know Will Smith and Baby Will Smith. Oh wait, yes, the technology. CG Will Smith. Well, it's not CG Will Smith. It's DH. Wait, that was Ang Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And and he released it at 120 frames per second. And but all it was the other thing was the right. It was like 120 3D. Yeah. And something else. Different aspect ratio or something. I don't know, but I know that I read a piece that was like nowhere in the United States can you truly actually watch the movie at like some. Cinemas could like do one part of the technical aspect. Amazing. Others could do another. There but- is a great YouTube video from Folding Ideas, Dan Olson. That's just a vlog of him after seeing Gemini Man in three different theaters with three different technical like mm-hmm. specifications huh. of how they showed the film. That is deeply fascinating to yeah. me. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, because he's like he also had a great video about the editing of Suicide Squad and like how the editing specifically makes that movie just a nightmare to fucking watch. Like, especially, he goes through, just in the first five minutes, there's, like, uh, three or four different establishing shots that actually provide no information to establish the location that they're in. Incredible. <laughs> Other than, like, saying that they're <gasps> in, in Africa. Just somewhere. Oh, good. Wait, yeah, though, you know, all those establishing Africa. shots are, because basically they're introducing each character with, like, a short, like, a little short, right? No, the before that. Before that? To introduce oh, the prison. Oh, it's when they set the... Uh, mommy shit loose? No, no, no. To introduce where the prison location <laughs> is. You know way more about this movie than I thought you would. Did you see Suicide Squad? <laughs> Are you a DC fanatic? Are you no, a... No, I, I fly a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Wanna, fair. Yeah. Hear... <laughs> I'm going with the DC part. Me too. <laughs> like, hear we're, all, we're all here talking Marvel pray. movies and Rob is just sitting just... Yeah, no so wonder when are we so going to talk about Man of Steel? How does that movie begin now? I'm like, wait, I thought they it was... They have to introduce the prison and Viola Davis's uh the wall, you know, Amanda Wallace. And so they have uh they have to zoom into the location of where the prison is. And they have to establish like where in the world that prison is. And they first they do like a uh, establishing side of a coast and then establishing side of a fence and then establishing side of a building. And you still have no geographical idea where this shit is. <laughs> Black site, you're not supposed to know. It's like the first couple minutes of um, the room where it's just a bunch of stock footage of San Francisco, and yeah. it's just like a lot, <laughs> like increasingly granular yeah. stock footage is like the world, and then the United States, and then San Francisco generally, and then the Golden Gate Bridge, and then a park, <laughs> and, then a park. and then a street, and then the building where he lives, and then the apartment. <laughs> I haven't seen the room in so long, and I don't know that I ever want to again because I feel like the moment has passed, and I don't want to lose what I had with it. What was that movie that came out? The Room. No, the, the disaster other one. artist. The yeah, disaster artist, that's right. Which is also was, based on a book. Based on the book by the guy. Who not was... as good as the book for no. sure. No. no, James Franco's Johnny Wiseau is not that good. 
honestly. That's I, such a he got, That's a shame. He got a lot of acclaim for that, but it's just like him doing like a comedy bit is what it feels mm. like and not like embodying the character. The char- the book is like a lot more real about how shitty of a guy Tommy Wiseau is. Sure. And also like that how complicated the relationship is. It does not surprise me Franco is. missed that. Uh, yeah. Got him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about other people work. is people yeah. just seem something to be that's not really in his yeah. real house. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so... Can we record a podcast? Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> we I'm need ready. all this. This um, is, is post pod. No, it's fine. It's just for two. Post pod. The post pod was like... extending into the the so twenty minutes. Instacart and, is sending me push notifications. This now. is still. We're not going to do you this all podcast. Hear me? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're a little low. That's no, weird. He's fine. Okay. I bumped up for the me, volume, by the way, in our headphones a tiny bit. I sound weird in my own head. No, I sound weird in my head. I feel like I don't hear myself. Or I, it sounds yeah, like I feel really? like right. I hear all of you guys beautifully, huh. but yeah. I feel like I'm underwater for some reason. That's yeah, how it sounds that's for me. It sounds definitely weirder yeah, to me, totally. too. Yeah, yeah I guess you know, that's That's why I bumped it up a little bit, because I couldn't understand what I was saying, and I was like, do I sound drunk? You know what I'm glad we all had this talk, because we were all having the same problem. No one, everyone was just like, Maybe that's how it's supposed to sound, and everyone else is like, "This is normal." It might—I mean, it honestly, <laughs> might be life. the way the headphones reverberate. No, no, no. I think I it's know. something about the timing sending our audio back to us. You okay. think it's off by? Technical oh, it yeah, is. But it's something you got to be very minor because if you get the huh. timing wrong, people lose the ability to speak. Right, right. right. If it's too late. Oh yeah, that yeah, happens yeah, yeah, to me. One hundred percent. Anyway, podcast. Yeah, Robert, you—you're this sure. is waypoints, right? Yeah, I've you got your definitely shit? prepped this. Cool. So we're gonna start with the uh, start with the politics and then do and then do uncut yeah. gems. Okay. Uh, and it, should we? We're gonna split these into two. So podcasts. we should just do two podcasts. Yes, straight up. We could tease it. We could say like, hey, like we're recording yeah, this all yeah, at once, totally. but this will show up next. Well, we Friday. should also straight up say we're recording this on a new setup and a new yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah. We've retaken lobby one, etc. Reclaimed. Right. Reclaimed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Crusader Kings thing. Right? It is. Yeah. Where we've know, had a cast of belly wait, for what? quite some time. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> We reclaimed, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you were heading toward like a. Oh no, we reclaimed Deus Vault. No, no, (laughs) it's woke now. No, No. (laughs) never. God wills inclusivity. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right.